You're listening to The Organized Thinker, and I'm your host, Leslie Geller, founder of Geller Coaching, a business and life coach, author, blogger, and motivational speaker. I've created this podcast for professionals that know what to do, but wish they were doing it in a more productive and meaningful way. On the topic of choices... When it comes right down to this concept of designing a purposeful life, I'm clear about one thing. It's much easier to talk about the design, the how, the why, and even the gratification once you arrive there than it is to even begin this transformation. I say transformation because it's not at all like when I help people set up a daily system for their workday, you know, walking them through the steps of how to schedule their day, their events. It's a simple process, really, that can be walked through in detail with easy, actionable steps, right? You know, follow one, then two, then go to three, and then let's see how it works. Even if you don't believe in this process, say, of writing things down or detailing your day, if you simply follow the steps that I offer, it actually can work. It may not be sustainable. I mean, if you don't believe in it, After a few weeks, even if it seems to help, you may resort back to your old ways as soon as something goes sideways, right? You know, maybe you don't feel well one day, or you become backlogged on work, or you just feel burnt out. Any excuse will do. It's human nature. We slip back into our old habits and ways of thinking so easily if we aren't really sold on any one new process. That's actually why having a coach is only helpful if you're in the right headspace. So I don't know if you've had a coach or not, but in the coaching world, we call it being coachable. Makes sense. Sometimes you're not in it right now, but maybe you'll be in it when you just can't stand the space you're in now. Or sometimes life comes crashing down on you and being coachable suddenly feels urgent. And then other times you just never slip into that coachable space. And then you just learn how to muddle through on your own, right? There's no wrong way or right way to do it. My point though, is that it's about your perspective. It's the act of how you think that enables you to take on what's next, whether it remains as is, even when bad, or if you're constantly on the prowl for something better. So this is where the designing a purposeful life comes in. I can give you the checklist, but no matter what, if you're not in the mindset of wanting or needing something better or different, it won't even be helpful to you. And you might not be able to design anything that feels purposeful. But if you're still listening to me speak right at this moment, there is a good chance that you're in just the right mindset to work on some perspective shifts. Because shifting your perspective the way you think is honestly what I believe the secret recipe is. So what I've witnessed is that people that are open-minded to change constantly look inward to see what is good and what could be better, feel like there's endless choices that are available to them all the time, like literally all of the time. Even when they feel stuck where they are, they know where to go, who to talk to, But here's what's interesting. Those same people literally cannot understand often why other people around them, even when they seem to complain all the time, don't choose something else. 
Why can't they just choose differently, right? I mean, if you don't feel comfortable in the chair that you're in, you either find a different one to use or, I know, buy a new one completely, right? Or do you just keep sitting in it and assume you can block out how much it's bothering you? Which one are you? Do you suddenly say, wow, this is really uncomfortable. I can't even think about anything else besides how uncomfortable this is. And then you give yourself a few minutes to find a better place to sit. Or do you stay in it anyway? Convincing yourself that discomfort is part of your work. My dad used to say, it's not supposed to be comfortable. That's why they call it work. But I don't buy it. And I never did. To be honest, I don't really know when I began to live into that mantra, but it started early. I can remember all the way back to gymnastics class. Maybe I was eight years old. Every class having to stay in that uncomfortable backbend for what seemed like hours, which I'm sure was only maybe a solid minute. But I remember how uncomfortable it was for me, how it hurt my head. It made it throb, actually. And because it was at the beginning of each class, it ruined the rest of the class for me, just like that. Lucky for me, my mom let me stop going. I give her credit. Not hitting me with the whole commitment, responsibility thing, which I am a big fan of. Seriously, I do not mess around about my commitments. I honor my time, your time, and every other thing I say I'm going to do, period. But sometimes, like that darn chair, I quickly say, no thank you. But what about you? What does it take for you to actually get up and out of the chair? Maybe it's not quite as simple as a chair, but still, right? There are other choices, right? What has to happen in your life before you're able to see the repeated discomfort, the repeated dislike, the repeated disdain for something, before you say, wait a minute, I can't take this anymore? My legendary mom who passed away five years ago after a two and a half year battle with pancreatic cancer, was the most amazing woman I am sure I will ever meet. She made a six-figure income in a sales career that she hated, except on payday. She was brilliant and beautiful and could sell used paper bags if that was what it was going to take to be financially independent. But while she did often acknowledge the uncomfortable chair, she wasn't always quick to take a pulse on things that didn't serve her well in her life and sometimes waited a little too long before getting up to find a new chair. But once you're given a death sentence, like stage four pancreatic cancer, life as you know it stops. And then maybe, just maybe, you're able to see a new perspective. Only maybe. My mom was given three months to live at age 72. She was vibrant a retired marathon runner, spending an hour a day on the elliptical, eating nothing but healthy food. And she took a quick look at that chair and said, no, no, thank you. Three months is not going to work for me. I'm not about to start fighting death right now. I'm going to fight to live. And that's what she did. She journaled a lot. She came up with catchy quotes so that on really tough days, she could reread them and remind herself how badly she wanted to live. And every morning she would call me. Her question would be pretty similar each day. How will I get through another day knowing what I know? I tried my best to change my morning answers every single day, stretching my brain for ways I could accomplish the very same mindset. 
How would I get through another day knowing what I knew as well? It was a torturous ritual in the beginning, but then it became a game for both of us really, pushing us to see past this diagnosis, pushing us to see past this imposed death sentence for a crime she hadn't committed, and it helped a lot. I'm grateful she needed me that way because I needed it too. I remember when she finally landed in the hospital and surrendered. I remember her looking at me and saying, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to die. I'm going to call everyone I know to tell them how much they mean to me, how much they, I love them. But today, today's the day. At first, it was horrifying, but it went on every morning for three weeks. So I had to learn to lean into that as well. And when she asked, and I had finally found a comfortable enough seat, I said calmly, well then, I guess we will have a chance to practice what we have practiced all of our life, staying present in the only day we have. But that's not where I want to leave you today. That isn't the place of choices. I mean, what choice did she have? She was dying. Right before our very eyes, she was dying. Yet, as she sat in this uncomfortable chair, here's what she wrote. In the end, there aren't even any real choices except to stay in the game. Like it or not, it's the only game in town. And that's the part that gets me. Because you know you're sitting here right now and thinking about your life. The people around you that are getting older and even your own mortality, that game that one she was referring to, it was life. She didn't mean there aren't any choices. Like there isn't anything to choose. She meant the obvious about life itself. The only real choice is to stay in the game. This life, it's all there is. We can choose this life and keep complaining about the things that are bothering us or not working or the people around us who are making us suffer most, or we can choose this life like a choice and then find another chair to sit in. What will you choose? Thanks for listening. And remember, if you change one thing, it can change everything.